Hey everybody, welcome to Don't Sit in the Front. This week, I finally completed the Well Actually podcast hat trick. I got Kane Holloway on the pod. Kane Holloway is a very funny stand-up comedian. You can find him on Instagram at Kane Holloway. That's K-A-N-E-H-O-L-L-O-W-A-Y. He is one of the hosts of Well Actually with Holly Annabelle Brown and Brad Lewandowski, who have both been on this podcast before. If you're uninitiated, Well Actually is a great podcast where they break down movies uh, and other things in nerd culture and quiz each other on it. Kane also has another podcast called Don't Take Bullshit from Fuckers. That's with Greg Barrent on all things comedy. He also has an album, uh, which I listened to and really enjoyed, called Can't See Straight, and that's on 800 Pound Gorilla. In this episode, we talk about how Kane has moved up to the Seattle, Washington area, talks about ideas about maybe moving to New York, uh, things he liked and didn't like about comedy in LA, and how he's been doing some sets around where he's at now. He has one of the gnarlier uh, stories for worst comedy-related memory, and I just generally enjoyed talking to him. I listen to their podcast every week. Uh, Holly and Brad have been on. was glad to finally get Kane on the podcast, so... I'll be traveling here a little bit, going to Madison to see my family finally after two years, going to some comedy shows there, uh, probably record an episode or two with some friends of mine there, maybe try to talk to some stand-up comics in the Madison comedy scene. We'll see what happens. Thanks everyone so much for listening. Gotten a lot of feedback on recent episodes. Sorry about last week's bad audio on that episode. This one is crystal clear and wonderful. So yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening. This is the episode with Kane Holloway. behind that but i've now i've been to comedy at like uh yeah four in the afternoon and there's all kinds of weird timings on it i wonder if mm-hmm. that's really fucking with people or if it's just like you it's, you're gonna you have to do what you have to do right now i just wonder about the weird kind of timings on shows lately well it's weird how it's weird how uh if you it, it's if you could build up a comedy club audience comedy clubs just like comedians have to build up their own audience Mm -hmm. like just because you have a a comedy club and maybe you book a big name comic that doesn't necessarily mean people are gonna come you know Uh like you uh, and if you want to and if you can't always book a big name then your club needs to sustain itself and uh, Tacoma Comedy Club uh, is one of those clubs that has able to build up their own audience Mm. so like for the boozy brunch show it was packed to the to the walls um with the capacity level that is allowed uh, you know the legal amount that's allowed in indoors but it was still packed and uh, people were just ready to have fun at a comedy club that they know brings on funny comedians Mm -hmm. that makes the trip worth it like makes that two o'clock brunch thing, like it, it. It seems like that would probably mess with people. That that would like, 
They go, you want to see comedy indoors at two in the afternoon, but it's like, it's no different than like tailgating when, you know, like you're two, it's like 11 and you're drinking beer at 11 in the morning at a, like at a friend's backyard before a game. If you're not going to see like a big game, I would say it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. People just kind of shift their mindset a little bit now with, Mm -hmm. I, cause I was listening to your album yesterday to prepare for this and I feel oh. like the, the crowd was so good. Like, and it, I haven't heard a real full comedy club kind of crowd in so long in person. And then to hear it on recording, it was just kind of like, that sounds so good. And would you say that you're uh, very comfortable? That's like your wheelhouse is that kind of club environment versus other environments? Um, I'm good at with like any kind of environment. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just like I moved around a lot when I was a mm. kid. I had to be around a lot of different places and then always just like I like attention no matter where we're at. So if a sh- I prefer club like everybody else, but if it's outdoors, if it's uh, the only place I won't go is a cruise ship. Okay. I don't care how much money is offered to me. That's always I didn't. I've never wanted to go on a cruise ship on as a vacation idea. Yeah. Uh, it sounds. That sounds so awful. I don't. I don't understand the appeal. You're trapped mm. on a boat in the ocean, and that's probably. It's like going to Vegas. Like Vegas has a three day max. Yeah. And after three days, you got to get out of there. And, uh, but that cruises are like a week, maybe. Yeah. They're like a yeah. week and they're like, we're going to go to Barbados. And you're like, oh, well, <laughs> all right, cool. And then you get on the boat and you're like, I guess this might be fun until you're just like out on the ocean all day <laughs> mm. and you don't know you don't like it. Do you know don't... a lot of comics that have done it? Yeah. Like you go, yeah. They I all, always hear their stories about it. the, the fact that, you know, the fact that if you bomb on a cruise ship, you're going to see that crowd, the same people at every meal, every mm-hmm. fun activity. Mm-hmm. You're going to see them in the gym, all of that, and it just mm-hmm. follows them. Yeah. Uh, that sounds awful. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, like I don't like bombing. No one likes bombing, but it feels like the equivalent of um, bombing it while like, meeting your girlfriend's family. Uh-huh. And then if you like bomb that, then they're like, <laughs> you still got to like be around them afterwards. They're like, yeah. <laughs> you got to walk around and then and try to enjoy everyone's company. And they're like, man, that guy's just, he's a comedian. It's not very funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, envir- so I had asked about club environment versus other types of environments. Uh, I ask most people that come on to about um, if you're from the Pacific Northwest, uh, and sometimes it's like reaching, but do you think that being from Seattle area, Pacific Northwest shapes how you think about comedy or how you've done comedy in places like LA? Uh, well, there's comedy, um, camaraderie is different in those, the, I've been to a couple different markets. Uh, the two I've really like ingratiated myself in has been Seattle, the Pacific Northwest and then LA. Um, the place I enjoy performing the most is New York. 
and mm. uh, being in New being in New York is more my vibe. And I would say that Seattle or I guess the Pacific Northwest in general, if you're able to find like a good group of really funny comics that want to work hard at doing stand up and being comedians and like developing an act and you guys get each other's, you guys get each other's sense of humor and um, are able to hang like in the club. Uh, there's not a lot, there's not a whole lot of hang. The the hanging vibe in Seattle is you're hanging with your friends and you're enjoying the time mm. creating and um, being a part of the comedy community. The hanging vibe in New York is the same thing, except you're you're it's on a much higher level. You got to mm. you got to you now you really need to be better because every single person on the lineup is killing. Mm-hmm. In LA, there are people who there are killers, but the environment is less about camaraderie and more about what you can get and networking. Mm. And there's just an awful feeling to it. There's there's I I I I've never been really I've never been able to really thrive in LA at the hang. Mm. It's just never been my it's never been my vibe. Mm-hmm. Um and there's a lot of people say a lot of, a lot people, of the like you're you're hanging out you're talking to somebody but they're also kind of even if they don't want to be are kind of looking over your shoulder of like who else is there to talk to and that i think nobody likes that but nobody can really thrive in that everybody's just kind of like crabs in a bucket at that point but yeah 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 it's not a fun it's not i've never had i never had the kind of fun at a comedy club in la that i do in new york Mm. Um, or in, in Seattle and the clubs around Seattle because most of my friends have moved, but back in the day, you know, the first like six or seven years of me starting to do this, the hang, like hanging at the club was the only, like, that was the thing to do. You And if you weren't there, you wondered why you weren't there. Like people wondered why, where you were and mm-hmm. why you weren't there. And, um, and it was a lot of ball busting and a lot of like punching up each other's, jokes and it just was like you got to do a set and then you got to hang out and it was still a lot of fun because you're with some of the funniest people you know Mm -hmm. and um and so that that's the vibe i i thrived in and i was in la for like six years or something and i just Mm. moved and the the weight that was lifted (laughs) yeah and the weight that's lifted off of off of me on uh that is uh, a much better feeling as the weight the rent because i can't imagine that area is drastically cheaper but uh what do you what do you think the weight all is um it's just uh sometimes it's just a place a place has an energy that doesn't match yours mm-hmm. and i was i always felt like um i always felt like an intruder hmm. like i didn't i always felt like i was loitering for six years trying to find my place and and i when i when i was like i kind of had no choice at the moment like i just had to like i had to move out of there figure out what i was going to do next um and i think the next move is going to be to new york but during that period i was i was i was like looking at new apartments different apartments to move into and then i was like i was like 
every time I applied, I, I, I was hoping I wouldn't get approved. Hmm. And I kept getting approved and I kept not following up. And then I was, and then I just had to have a moment with myself where I was like, I don't think you don't want to do anymore. that. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just mm. like, ah, it's time to move. I'm going to listen to my gut. I've been wanting to move since I moved there. So the moment I, the moment I moved to LA, I was like a few months in, I got into a argument with a guy who led, which led to his friend punching me in the face and breaking my jaw. And, um, you know, and then like, I solid, to, solid yeah, first week. Yeah. Followed first. Yeah. Then I got into like a real deep depression and I, you know, the, I got developed like, well, I didn't develop it, but like my, my alcoholism really kicked into gear. And mm. so there's a lot of, um, a lot of bad times. I will say like the positives are I, I met my podcasting partners, uh, yeah. Greg, Greg Barrett through AA when I got sober. So that's a positive for LA. I got sober out there. I don't necessarily attribute that to LA. Just I was in LA the time I decided to get sober. Yeah. But but Greg was out there, and then I met Holly, who I do the other podcast with, and Brad. Um, and so there's like there are good people. There's like good um, if they're from LA, like mm-hmm. if they're already from California in some way, shape, or form, and they're also in the in the industry. Those are usually the good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and any any East Coast comics or midwest comics like i have some chicago comic friends who live in out out in la that are really good people uh comedian ken gar justin foster those guys are really uh really good guys Mm -hmm. taylor tomlinson is is awesome Um, yeah my my friend delaney fisher like there's a lot of really good people out there that are successful and do comedy and then then there's just like everybody else (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know well it seemed like uh, for so long, it was just people forced to live in this place in this space that somehow, like you said, the hang it was supposed to uh, s- snowball into being in that place long enough was going to push you into the things you want to do in your profession. And then, do you? Th- I think that it's kind of leading you, but I think that the uh, pandemic kind of blew up that you need to be in a place to do the things, but also like you do want to be in New York. It sounds like, and you do need to be like, if you want to be on those, in those clubs, those environments, you got to be there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm generalizing too. Like there's not, there's a lot of comics out there that are great people, uh, that are really good. Mm -hmm. And, And then there's guys who just, there's people out there that are like one, like, um, when I got my jaw broken, I'll never forget this. When I got my jaw broken, it was, I was work. I was on a baseball, it was a co-ed fast pitch baseball league for comedians and actors for LA comedians and actors. Mm. And, uh, I hated the networking part of it, but I loved the baseball part of it. Uh-huh. And, um, I just wanted to play baseball and have fun. And when I got my jaw broken, this, this lady, uh, actor, comedian lady, she sent an email out to the whole team, to all the teams in the league that said, hey, we should have a picnic for Kane to raise some money for his medical, uh, for his medical stuff, medical bills and stuff, which seems nice at first. And then, and then in the email, 
invite your agents and managers to come out, people who don't know me at all, uh, yeah. uh, who, who could give two shits about my broken jaw or mm-hmm. the fact that I got, the fact that I'm, I'm laid up in the hospital, uh, invite your, I could, I'll just never forget that. Invite your agents and managers. And it was just such this, like, like, let's take this moment to capitalize on, uh, like I can, it could seem like a good deed. Like it could seem like yeah. a, a good thing that I'm doing when really it's a way to get everyone. Cause there's a lot, of, there was like a lot, there was like a, an executive for Sony who was on my team. And I didn't know that until like we were like well into the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, I got to get to work. Like I got this like meeting for, I think he said something like the Minions movie or some shit. And I was, yeah. just, I was like, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I'm an executive at Sony. And I was like, really? <laughs> With your batting <laughs> average? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is so, that, but so I, it's a weird thing to ask and I don't want to speak out of turn. I'm not a comic, but the, if you're so you have a podcast with Greg Berant here on that's on all things comedy. You have an album on 800 Pound Gorilla that was in 2019. Uh, it feels like you're you're hitting all of the the good like benchmarks of things p- propelling you forward and stand up and like I don't know. I just it sounds like if you want to be in New York, that sounds like a cool move to make. It might change up your way of thinking about it. And also mm-hmm. having listened to your album. Um, and your comedy style feels more, uh, with broad generalizations, feels more like a New York vibe of what we would hear. Of course, you want to tour and go and do comedy anywhere, mm-hmm. but um, I feel like it will, it fits better. So that's just my my two cents. You didn't ask for, but yeah. No, yeah, no. I've heard that my I've heard that my whole career. Like I I uh, I remember doing a. Uh, me and my ex were trying to figure out if we should move to LA or New York, if that was like the next big, big thing, next big move, what we should do. And, um, we were split 50, 50 and I was telling some comic buddies of mine and, and they're like, yeah, man, I don't really know what, what to do. And then I went up at a sold out show and like, I was getting heckled and I was, I was like smashing with the heckler and it ended up being like a really good set because like when I'd get mm. heckled, I'd smash them. And then it was this like great back and forth until like, uh, I was able to ride the wave of the energy and like, it was like a really good set. And then, and then I get off stage and this dude was like, man, fuck LA dude, go to New York. You yeah. should be, he's like, you should be in, like watching that set. You should be in New York. And I'm like, yeah, New York. Yeah, you're right. But then. Um, some like small opportunities opened up in LA. So we went there instead. Mm. And, um, I guess I don't regret it. I don't know. You know, like I, I met some great people and so I don't regret that part, but staying as long as I did, I think I regret, I think I, the next time, you know, you just get that overwhelming feeling of like, this isn't my, this isn't my place. Like I don't, this isn't my spot and I know it. And I've known it for a while and I can't make it fit. It's just that square peg round hole. And I'm just, I'm just shoving the square peg. I just keep trying to somehow Mm -hmm. turn it and turn it and turn it and it won't go in and I can't figure out why. Yeah. That's uh, kind of a unique and refreshing sort of uh, self-awareness to hear. I think a lot of people I talk to are on like 
uh, a much earlier point in their career where they're maybe just starting to get into the six-year stint that they're going to eventually be like, I was in the wrong place. But you're at like a... I think it's good to hear that, that you know what you want and want to change about it. And do you? I, the thing I'm curious about is did the pandemic kind of push that or were maybe like February 2020, were you thinking some of this too? Yeah, I was, th- I was, I was talking with... The only reason I didn't move immediately is that is Greg and I got on all things comedy and we were mm. having all these plans. And then once, once, you know, we took our COVID tests and found out we could like be in the same room together, the sh- sort of shining light of my week of our week was getting in the car and then going to this going to the little studio apartment studio we had set up at my producer's place mm. and um, we're just recording the show and like having fun. And so I was doing that. And then I was like, since I'm doing like a advice show and we get a lot of questions about dating because of uh, Greg wrote, he's just not that into you. Yeah. So, so we get a lot of questions about dating and I'm recently single. So I started dating. And so I was like, uh, let me kind of embrace dating in LA and then talking about it with Greg. And I'm a young guy who's recently, um, recently in the dating sphere. And we like, that could be the dynamic of the show. But then I started to, I started to hate dating. I started mm-hmm. to, I started to realize like, I don't want to date anybody right now. Um, mm. I don't want to, I don't want to actively seek it out. Like, I don't want to be on hinge and Tinder or, or like, wait for comedy to open up and then meet people at the uh at like shows in LA and it's like and then I also was thinking like I don't want to meet anybody in LA if I'm not gonna be here yeah and that 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 felt silly and so I was just like stalling because I the I didn't want to move back to Seattle um because mm-hmm. I'd already done Seattle I was I've I've always been in the frame of mind like I want to meet Here's how I want to make my moves. They always want to feel like I'm going somewhere new mm-hmm. rather than going to somewhere I've been. And uh, I've done Seattle my whole, almost my whole life. Yeah. For, mo- for most of my life. And then I did LA for a, sh- a short stint. And, um, but I was like, I can't, I don't want to wade in the waters of LA anymore. And I'll just hang in Seattle for a minute until I'm able to get all my ducks in a row to move back or move out to, to New York city. So, um, that's the only reason I didn't like jump ship immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ask every guest on this show, a set of questions about their relationship to stand up. Uh, we had talked about Seattle a bit growing up there, but what is your first memory of liking stand up? Um, the one that always sticks with me is, seeing Brian Regan's comedy central presents and laughing so hard. Uh-huh. Uh, like, like getting stand up, like getting stand up, uh, comedy as an art form. And then also feeling it was like the first time I ever felt like, Oh man, I'm going to, I want to do that. Mm. I want to, I want to figure out how to do that. And, um, and then ever since, ever since then, it was, he like, he worked clean and he was goofy and he had like all the like 
He just had, and so it. Do you remember how old? There. Um, I was like ten or eleven, something like that. Yeah, because I think the fact that he works clean and his style, uh, sort of observational and very, it's like kids can get it. Adults will also enjoy it. It's sort of mm-hmm. like Pixar in that way, I guess. But it's not. And they're sort of hidden things for the adults. Kids yeah. will also get it. That makes a lot of sense that that would be pretty influential as like an 11 year old. And that's no like slight to him. Like he's, I think people talk about, you know, just like genius levels of being able to come up with what he comes up with. Did you see On the Rocks? Did you watch his latest one? I did. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. And then some people have been praising that and I liked it too because he is getting a little more personal and a little more critiques not the word but just a little more like looking at society and groups rather than just kind of like here's a goofy observation or my dad yeah, said yeah. this it's like he is getting a little more uh ob- like observing the society and the culture a little bit so i thought that was cool to see and his own his own uh mental illness too which is like yeah. a dark turn for him yeah there's a there's like a there's like a weird thing in for like artists with with fans where people are like they don't want to, they want the old shit. Like it happens a lot with, um, Eminem. I always bring up Eminem, but like, mm. um, like there was like a, a thing trending on tick TikTok that for some reason was happening about how, uh, they were trying to point out the hypocrisies of, of, um, woke culture, like what Eminem was like when he started his career and he, and he was like so homophobic and, and mm-hmm. all this shit and then and then like and he like hated pop bands and then then and like they try to use that as a point to be like see like look this is what it used to be like and try, mm-hmm. it's like yeah people grow man people uh people change people get um people get introspective and decide like yo maybe I, maybe uh i started my career bucking against uh systems and now mm. I now I feel like more inclusive, and maybe I want to be more. So like, I like seeing, especially I love watching comics grow and change. And like, I hate I, you know, like because I've watched so many comics. Uh, I watched so many comedians when I was like first on the road, been doing the same jokes for years. Like headliners, mm. going up there and doing like characters that worked a bunch of times like eight years ago and then they just like never let it go yeah like, don't you get bored don't you hate getting up there and doing <laughs> that thing you don't hate yourself god it was just like i couldn't i couldn't picture doing the same thing over and over again or telling the same kind of joke or telling the same kind of story mm. over and over again like you don't want to be different for yourself just even not even for an audience like you don't want to change the shit up to make it exciting for you mm-hmm. you know magicians don't do the same card trick that that would be so boring they'd push themselves look at david blaine poking knives into his hands yeah uh, like an, an insane mute <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's kind of interesting to think of brian regan in that way too because like i think he is so huge but he does he is known for he will do a second kind of an encore set and come out and do like the hits or the old ones yeah. or whatever. It's like he knows where his bread's buttered. Like he knows yes. 
uh but also it was cool to see him doing something a little bit different with this one and then like the pandemic aspect of it all doing it outside at wherever that was in utah or whatever maybe arizona somewhere out in the desert Mm -hmm. outdoors everybody's masked another one recently is nate bargatze is has another of those pandemic specials where he's got to like hold for helicopters and things uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) like it's just some people were I don't know how that scheduling works, but they're just going to make it work in the pandemic, how it was going to work. But I think those will be weird to watch in like 10 years, maybe. I, oh, yeah. I ask people, what is the best place for you to see stand up? And that could be a specific locale, a recurring show that you like, or talking about the type of show, like an alt space, a black box theater, a large theater, a club, a bookstore, a bar. Um. Well, I mean... And a great comedy show can happen anywhere, really. I mean, I've mm. watched I've watched comedians crush at dueling piano bars and um theaters. Uh I love watching I love watching variety shows in black box theaters. My buddy had a show called The Kitchen Sink and it was a variety show that uh Kevin Co. Martin was his name and um he put on a show that was awesome it was just like he'd do he'd put on he'd fill it out in this black box theater i think sat maybe like 50 people and uh he would put on just a great show with like like sketches and uh, video youtube sketches that he made and live musical acts and then randomly like huge comics would drop in and Mm. do 15 minutes and then he'd always give he'd always give me time uh so like it can happen anywhere like you can see something you can see a great show at any point in time like my i watched i watched a buddy of mine do really well at a barbecue joint oh like next to the soda machine yeah, and he <laughs> while was, people are getting refills too. Yeah, why, yeah, people would come um, up, and uh, and I just watched him crush. Uh, he he was people would just order their food, but then they just sit there and be listening to him, and he'd just be right next to that corner, just holding court, and yeah. it was awesome to see. So, um, if you get a good comic and and you get a an audience that's willing to listen. Anywhere will really open you up, but uh, I mean, I just the there's nothing more, there's nothing more magical. Uh, I hate using that word, but it really is mm-hmm. like there's nothing better, I think, than just a comedy club that knows what they're doing too. Like a, a comedy club that sticks to show times, you know, mm-hmm. like you have to tr- you have to train audiences. So if like if if you're if you're show if you're have a comedy club and then you're like all right we have an eight eight o'clock showtime but then you get there and it's eight fifteen eight eight thirty so many clubs just so the audiences would catch wind like oh we don't need to be there right away and so there would just be mm-hmm. like this inauspicious start time and um you know hard hard lights for comics like never making the show run too long I think. A show, a show, a comedy show that goes on for far too long. Um, no matter how well the comic do- is doing, seemingly, mm-hmm. there's, there's, it's tiresome. Like you know, you want to, you want to leave audiences wanting more. So like if, 
food. Have good food. Yeah. <laughs> like, take some of the budget and put it towards the food. Like, make the whole thing an experience. Like, yo, the comedy was good. The lighting was great. The atmosphere was dope. And the food was on point. Yeah. That would be a very different mindset if I'm ever even considering the food to go to a comedy club. I'm always just like, that's a thing I have to buy to be at this thing right now. Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. A, and I'm, I'm sober as well. Like, I didn't get sober. So, like, respect for people who actually had to get sober. I've just always been sober. Mm-hmm. But... um the two drink minimum i hate it like i i gotta buy like a eight dollar coke or whatever and yeah so comedy i it's it's interesting to talk to you because i uh comedy clubs have not been my preferred space or environment i wonder though like historically has there been some kind of environment or something that like a white whale something that always uh throws you off a little bit what kind of environment is not great some cities, some cities can be up their own ass. Um, mm. Like some audiences that corporate gigs, I don't know how to do well at them. I, <laughs> that, no matter how clean I am or how clever the jokes seem to be, they just corporate people don't like me and I now don't get booked <laughs> for them because I just cannot... I walk in, hey, who's one? I did a corporate gig at Wolf Creek Lodge out here mm. in, in Washington. And um, I is was. That bo- the, is that the like water park resort chain? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We got, we had one of those in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this, I'm bombing, but the only thing I could focus on after a few minutes is this guy has his back turned to me. Mm. And so I start, I, I mentioned that his, he's won't even look at me. Like, I know I'm not doing well, but could you like look at me? And he wouldn't, he wouldn't move. And then I was like, is he alive? Somebody poke him to see if like this dude's alive. And I thought maybe messing with the guy who won't look at the show. Uh, and no one would touch him and he wouldn't turn around. And then I was like, like really he might be dead. Like the fat guy from seven, who just yeah. is like sitting there all bound up, like maybe, like check to see if his stomach exploded open. Yeah, uh, and no one is laughing. It is, oh my god, it's probably the hardest I've ever bombed. No matter what I say about him or to him, not only will no one laugh, he won't turn around. Then I just started asking him to please. I was like begging him, "Can you turn around, man?" Come on, man, turn around. I like wouldn't let it go. And then my buddy Jay's in the back. He's dying. He cannot stop laughing at how confusing it is to me that this guy won't pay attention to the show, won't pay attention to what's happening. But I'm not giving him a show worth seeing. Right. So, like, I get his point of view, but I couldn't let it go. I just would, I was just on him my whole set. Mm. And I, I started like guessing what it is. Like I was like, then I, then I felt bad. Like maybe I was like, is he deaf, mute or blind or, or anything like that? Like, mm. is, is that why? And they're like, nope. And I'm like, okay, so he can see and hear me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he could respond to me if he had the choice and he just won't do it. 
And people, one guy was like, move on, man. And I go, I will move on when I feel like moving on. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I just kept going. I was like, what's your name? At least, at least tell me your name. Like, I just wouldn't let it go. And yeah. then the worst part is, is that when Jay got on, Jay, Jay followed me. And when Jay got on, the guy turned around. And I was so pissed. I was absolutely livid. Jay was like, Kane, he turned around. Kane, he turned around to watch me. And I was like, oh, my God, I want that dude dead. I want, him to, I want to kill what him. What industry, what kind of corporate? Oh, I I think they're like a construction, but they were like the like the corporate managers of this construction company. Yeah, I never, when I hear people talk about that, I'm just like, well, I remember like hearing back like my dad's Christmas company, like Christmas party would have a, a stand-up comic at it. And I'm always kind of like now meeting more comics, I'm just like, oh, that was, I can't believe performing for my dad and all his coworkers. Like that has to be really rough. They seem to pay very well though, those corporate yeah. gigs. Yeah, they yeah. pay, they pay, they, it, it seems like a good idea. They're like, we can get, we can get a comedian and people have they have this weird idea about comedy. Hmm. People people who want to any comic you ever meet starting out, they're always doing an impression of a comedian yeah. until they figure out who who they are as a comic or they quit. And people who want to People who aren't in the comedy business who want to book comedy have this weird fantasy about stand-up where they're like, we'll get a comic for our corporate Christmas party or whatever. We'll make sure he's clean and we'll do a, we'll make sure that um, he does like an hour. And it's like, you got to, you get, and, and maybe we'll heckle him. Maybe we'll hack yeah. the comic. <laughs> we'll help out the show. We'll come up before he they get on stage and we'll say something like, hey, man, it's that dude's birthday and this chick just got hired on. So, like, you could talk about... Also, this is what we... Uh, this is what our company does. Like, maybe you get some mm. material about that. And you're just like, okay. It's a lot of information. And then you get on stage... And you can't hold anybody's attention because they don't want to see a stand-up comic for an hour. They yeah. don't. They, they want to eat, party. They want to drink. Yeah. They want to do stuff they're not probably not allowed to do, like fuck each other and do cocaine in the bathroom. Like, mm -hmm. like corporate people are disgusting, and they yeah. don't care about stand-up. They want to get their freak on. This is like their time to blow off steam. And they want. I just just hearing that sounds terrible because they want an hour and then just for most people an hour they take like maybe 10 years of doing stand-up to get their hour that they want to do and about 30 percent of it is so much of getting to know that person getting mm -hmm. they're going to talk about themselves so much whereas i think they envision it as person's going to come and we're going to put quarters in them and they're going to make us laugh and it's yeah. not an experience yeah yeah, like we can make fun of they can make they can make fun of us and talk about our business. It's like I don't know anything about your business. I don't. Have you ever seen this before? Have mm. you ever seen it before? It's confusing. Have you? Uh, I ask people, have you ever seen a good representation of stand up in a fictional form 
and it doesn't always have to be about stand-up itself something that you think you've seen and maybe relate to it if that's what doing stand-up feels like sometimes it is about stand-up i would say the first the first couple seasons of Seinfeld, actually the the later seasons of seinfeld Mm. Um, because like the initial conceit of the show was Jerry's going to go about his life and then we're going to see the joke result of that. Right. And that was kind of fun because that is his material. So they, they essentially wrote storylines around Jerry's act. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like that. I like that representation. Um, and then I would say the first hour of funny people. Yeah, is... that comes up a lot. Everybody says the first hour, the bits of that are actually about stand-up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like when they're doing actual stand-up and working out jokes. Um, the first hour of the four that that movie seems to have, where then there's uh, at least an hour of Eric Bana. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Many people bring that movie up. Like it just, yeah, just, it goes on for way too long. And, and like Eminem saying that he should have died. It's like, yeah, no, he should have died. Like the entire idea of the movie should have been George gets sick. And this is his last, like, this is, Stand-up is the only thing he's ever, he's forgotten about, but it was like the thing that catapulted him to the stardom and it was like something he really loved doing. And mm. since he has no one left in his life that loves him back, uh, he really only has stand-up and it's like this romantic relationship. And I think it would have been such a much better movie had he realized maybe that not like stand-up also like he doesn't also need stand up just just that the idea of stand up he doesn't really just need that and maybe like he does repair his relationship through working with mm. Seth Rogen he's able to repair some relationships in his life and then he dies but instead he lives yeah. and then he goes back to being a piece of shit and yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what kind of what, that? That's a terrible story. It's like, yeah, a lot of people go back to being a piece of shit. I don't want to see that. Like, I know that. Mm. I know that. I know uh, people have people people forget about where they come from all the time. And mm. that was the that was the story. You strip. It's the George Bailey thing. Strip a lot of shit away from him, and he needs to figure out like what actually makes him happy. Yeah. This like, is a this is an excellent. Uh, point to plug uh, well actually because the thing I liked about I've had Holly on and then Holly and Brad came back and we talked about the movie Punchline and then hearing you do it now too is like I feel like the uh, chemistry you guys have on that podcast and then the analysis you guys do of films it's uh, it's like all sort of loosely around like nerd culture things or different genres but I always just like hearing your you all kind of your movie analysis and then hearing you do it now just like basically pitching back the movie to us of like they could have done this they could have done that and i always enjoy that so listeners oh, of this should you. check out uh well actually is the podcast that kane does with holly annabelle brown and brad lewandowski um i'm a listener i highly recommend it yeah 
Yeah, but that the you. movie you repitched there sounds great, and I just, yeah. we could, we could just watch funny people and turn it off at some point and be like, and then it'd be like this. Uh, maybe spoiler alert: fifteen years later, have you seen The Sopranos? Like, just cut out at the end there. Like, oh, yeah. we don't know what happened. Yeah, like he goes in to get his he goes in to get his results, and then the doctor like looks at him, cut to black, the end. Yeah, and it's like, and then it's still really disappointing. Like, you'd hate that movie too. But if you're gonna watch a movie, I mean, like my my friend Hannah I, Hannah Einbinder is in a show called Hacks, and yeah, I like it. It's pretty good. I really yeah. like it, and she's really good in it, and I'm really proud of her. Uh, so people should go watch Hacks on HBO, mm. um, and it's got Gene Smart, who I love and adore as an actor she's, she's so fucking good she's so good and that character is so good and rich mm-hmm. and has like layers and yeah it's great yeah yeah that the um yeah there's a lot of stand-up shows about stand-up or movies about stand-up usually aren't great because mm-hmm. they have to now write stand-up and it's like the thing that the the thing that hacks does funny people and Seinfeld is they actually took bits that were already working for audiences and TV audiences and then put that as a working point in the show. How do we make these bits work for later? Um, working backwards from a completed bit is mm. a very smart way to go about it. But writing bits for writing fictional bits for a fictional person in a fictional world that does has stand-up almost always ends in some unfunny disaster yeah i've enjoyed hacks uh a lot so far and i feel like it's not so much a show about stand-up but it does have some of the commentary and the things like the pilot kind of had me where she's like uh, where Gene Smart really needed to know, like, well, what was the tweet? What was the joke that got you mm-hmm. kind of canceled? Her need to know that and like chasing her down the driveway of being like, this is how you should have done it. And I was like, yeah. that hits on a thing that I think is that's talking about comedy and the higher issues surrounding it. Um, and like the show is just kind of warm and nice and it's just good, uh, like comedy drama sort of on its own, too. Yeah. I don't know that it's super about stand up, but it, it's definitely commenting on it. Right, yeah. yeah. It's definitely a show about two people that are the same that now have to coexist because they need each other and mm. how that will soften both of them. Um, and it's great. And also check out Hannah, uh, Hannah's stand-up. I'm plugging a lot of people on this show. <laughs> no, that's out. what this is all about because like, I'm not a comic, so I have no... This is There's no... like competition or i know this person who knows that person there's none of that so i'm just yeah, like yeah. curating all of it sure plug no away. <laughs> i mean i would i would plug anyway but i just think it's funny like so far i've been on this show and i've plugged all my friends <laughs> but yeah. like um kane but, also has an album uh it says yeah, can't yeah. see it's called can't see straight uh i listened to it on spotify there's ways you can pay him for it it's great <laughs> yeah. it's an 800 pound gorilla which to me is a good marker of uh quality and mm-hmm. uh, i listened to it yesterday it's hilarious thank yes. you yeah hannah uh hannah's great because she's she's a variety show unto herself mm-hmm. and i always love performing with her uh because she's gonna do something completely different uh than i would do on stage and um i love performing 
I love performing with comics who think about comedy in a completely different way. And, uh, and it inspires me to do, inspires me to do better. And so I'm really proud of, so go check out her stand up and then also watch that, watch hacks. Cause, uh, Hannah's the best. Yeah. Uh, I start with a bad one to get to a good one, but what is your worst comedy related memory? My worst comedy related memory other than my worst comedy related memory is when I went on the road with this dude <laughs> who uh I can't remember his name is his name was his name is Brad. Uh probably one of the craziest dudes I've ever met in my entire life. And mm. he was doing a lot of drugs and he was drinking a lot and he was screaming a lot. Uh, we had to do a long road gig from uh, Seattle down to Oregon, Idaho. I think we did, then we did the Dakotas, Montana, and then we worked our way down to Malad City. No, Utah. Then we did, then our last gig was in Malad City, Idaho, and he was just like draining me. And I was going to quit stand up after this because I like couldn't. I was like, if this is the road, then I don't want to fucking do this. Mm. And, uh, he at that gig, we it was a the last gig was at a bait and tackle shop. Um, okay, and I was getting heckled like crazy, and then I was supposed to do thirty. I ended up doing like fifteen, maybe even less. Like I was just like, I'm d- I'm done with this. I don't need this. I don't mm. need this shit. And I brought up Brad, and then Brad was Brad liked to get naked as a closer, and he's supposed okay. to he was supposed to do forty five minutes. Ten minutes in, he's already naked. Well, you just you like the their profession's just crazy because you just bring it up like Brad like to get naked. Yeah, you know, just like I'll just and moving on. But yeah, yeah, he it's like his closer bit was he liked to get naked, and then light a it gets even worse. He would light a cigarette. He had this bit where he would pretend to be. He said, "What if Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage were gay? What would their sex be like?" And mm-hmm. then he does their impressions. And he was really good. It was a really good impression of both of them. And <laughs> then um, they were. They were spot on. Like, if yeah. you close your eyes, you're like, that's that's Macho Man and Hulk Hogan having sex. Yeah. Um, and then he would take his clothes off and he'd be wearing a thong. And then he would drench himself. He would take a water bottle and pour it all over his body. And he had just like this smooth pink body. It was, ugh, <laughs> you can still see it to this day. <laughs> With this like fish belly, and he would like scream at people, and then he would light a cigarette, and then put the cigarette in his butthole, and mm. then clench his butt cheeks, and then make it look like the cigarette was smoking, or make it look like the ass was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and he did that ten minutes into a set, and I'm like, okay, well I don't know what else he's got in the in the tank. Pretty then, pretty hard to top that. Yeah. yeah. Then he was just like done. So like the show was like over. And then he, we're like sitting around waiting to get paid. And then he comes up to me and he's like, hey man, these two chicks want to go play strip poker. Uh, and I was like, I don't want to do that. I, I just want to go back to the room. And we were sharing a room. And I was like, I just want to go back to the room. And he's like, He's like, I gave them my key card, so they're on their way. And I'm like, you gave two strangers our your key card 
and told him what hotel and which hotel room we were at and then gave him a head start with all of my shit. With oh, all my yeah. shit. All my shit's in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know these motherfuckers. And I'm I'm like, I'm so mad at you right now. And he's like, you won't be mad when you're getting laid. And I was like, I don't want to have sex with anyone. <laughs> I I was dating someone at the time too. So I was like, I'm not trying to cheat on the girl I'm with. And mm-hmm. even if I was single, I don't want to have sex with anybody here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, I missed where, which city was it too? Malad City, Idaho. Okay. <laughs> so then we get into the room and uh, these girls are just like sitting there with a deck of cards waiting to play strip poker with us. And I'm, I'm, like, I'm so mad and I, like, we're, I, I just like sit down and I'm like, whatever. I guess this will pass the time. But I don't know how to play poker. Mm. And so I just like put a bunch of clothes on and then I keep losing. So I'm like taking three sweaters off and I'm like, I'm like, but I'm not, I'm like, I don't care how far we get. I'm not taking my pants or my shirt off. I'm not doing it. Mm. And so I keep losing. And the only thing I have left on is my, my pants or my shirt. So I just start taking stuff out of my pockets. And one of the girls is like, Oh, I didn't know that I can do that. And so then when she loses, she pulls out a can of of chew of chewing tobacco oh classy okay (laughs) um so then uh and then this other girl who's like really into brad and he's like he's like i guess you can call it nagging but it's really Hmm. just abuse it just feels like he's just saying mean ass shit to her like Mm. like it would be so much hotter if you didn't look the way you look like like and she just like laugh and push him and i'm just like this is this is awful this is an awful terrible environment i hate being in it um how many years into comedy i was like three years in four years something like that Uh uh-huh yeah so um it might have even been like earlier than that now that i think about maybe like two or three something like that anyway so Mm. it's time for her to like take her bra off so she like takes her bra off and he looks down (laughs) at her looks down at her breasts and then he then he looks over at me and he points his finger out like that and then he goes Making it look mm. like he's like lo- from looking at her naked body, he's like lost his erection. And mm. again, she's laughing, and ha- like, and I'm like, this is, I hate this, I hate this so much. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm done. I think I'm done now, um, because I feel really bad f- for you. Mm. Um, I'm not miss. I won't be sleeping with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I didn't say that. I was just like, I'm checked out of this I'm going to bed yeah <laughs> so i lay down and they're just like meandering and then i somehow fall asleep and i wake up and brad and that girl are having sex while the girl with the the girl <laughs> is watching them with a dip in and i lost my mind and i was just yeah. like this is it this is this is the straw rethinking so a lot of decisions life choices that yeah. kind of thing are you or or did you have the kind of awareness to be like this guy sucks it's not all like this like how yeah. do you move on from that then i wonder yeah it was pretty yeah i like took so i took a like a month off when i was just like collecting myself 
but I, I like, you had like a thousand yard stare while you were telling it. Yeah. Dude, I was, I just like, I forget all about it until I'm asked, like, what was, what was your worst, was like some of your worst times in stand up? I'm like, this is definitely it. Cause he was insane. He was out of his mind and he like wouldn't stop being crazy. And then this, then he was doing this shit. And so I like finally like lost my mind. I'm like, cause he, the thing was, is like, I was featuring and I was trying to, like, uh, this guy was telling me he's going to hook me up with a manager. He's going to hook me up with an mm. agent. He's going to put me on TV. He had a show in Canada. He's like, yo, you, like, follow my whole thing. And I was, like, seeing, I was, you know, it was this um, uh, carrot and stick yeah. kind of trip. And I was like, I don't, I don't want anything from this guy. I don't want this manager. Like, I'm, 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 like, seeing what the road is. And I'm like, if this is what it's like to be a comic I don't need this man's help you know like I don't want I don't want his help and so now with that like uh, now I feel like I've gotten my leash off and I'm like I'm like I'm fucking over this I'm like I'm like you guys need to leave because we're about to leave and he he gets his um he like gets up and he's naked and he's like yeah and he just starts like he starts like yelling at them like it's their fault. He's like calling them bitches. He's like, "You guys, you bitches, got to get the fuck out of here." And mm. I'm like, "I'm like, dude, put some clothes on." And he's then he runs into the shower and he takes a shower and then he runs outside, completely naked. And it was it was in the middle of the winter, in Idaho, so it's like snowing. And he runs out naked, all wet. One girl's getting dressed. The other one's like getting her shit together. And he's like screaming at the top of his lungs at three in the morning. I hate Malad City, Idaho. I hate this dump. So I run over and I slam the door shut and I lock it. And then, Ooh. and then, he's like pounding on the door, and he's like, "Let me in." And he starts saying how he's gonna take all this stuff away from me, and how he's like, "I'll never work again," and blah blah blah. And I'm just, I'm waiting him out. I'm waiting him out. And the pounding finally stops, and then you hear through the door. I'm sorry, man. And I'm like, all right. Then I unlock it and I just like, get your clothes on, get your bag packed. We're fucking leaving. The girls leave. We get in the car and we start driving. And we get like 10 minutes into the drive and he was like, uh, he's like, you know what, man? That wasn't cool uh, what you did back there. And then I pulled off to the side and in the loudest I think I've ever screamed at anybody... <laughs> I was like, you don't talk to me for the rest of this trip or I will leave you here. You will be stuck in the snow and I don't care what happens to you. Don't say another word to me all the way back to Seattle. And he goes to talk and I go, I swear to God, I will fight you. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm willing to die. I'm that mad. I'm like that. I'm that mad. And I go, shut your mouth. And he did. He didn't say another word all the way back. We drove, I don't know how long it took. It took like 24 hours. And we, from the down, the bottom part of Idaho, all the way up. Yeah. All the way back up to Washington. He didn't say a word to me. That That's so vindicating that you like, a lot of people would be like, what I should have said was blah, blah, blah. But the yeah. fact that you could say it, yeah. Yeah, you can like was, just like keep that with you forever. Yeah. <laughs> I was too mad not to say. I was so mad. I was like, if I don't say anything, it might get physical. Like I it's yeah. probably gonna get physical. So I need to tell him, like, yo, you are on thin ice G. 
Like I, I have no qualms and I'm not a person that likes to fight. I don't want to fight mm. anybody, but he pushed me. He like pushed me past my breaking point where I was able to hold on to any of it. I'm like, you know what? I, I will try my damnedest to knock you unconscious. <laughs> That's uh, we can cleanse our palates of chewing tobacco and everything else involved. Uh, you go from our bad story, but what is your best comedy-related memory? Um, my favorite one is I was not doing well at a comedy. Um, uh, I was not doing well during this comedy competition uh, at Tacoma Comedy Club, and uh, the I just was like too worried about the money and placing every day, and all of my friends were like killing, and I kept like stumbling through my words and like making sure like I saw the light and I wasn't having any fun. And so I decided, you know what? I'm just going to like knock myself out. Uh, I'm going to knock myself out of the running. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like booked a, com- I booked a commercial that, that, that was airing during the day. And then I was going to miss the first show and they mm-hmm. count they count each show and each placement to get to like the top place guys um for like the finals or whatever and uh i took the gig knowing i wasn't going to make the first show and then i came to that show it was in Tacoma Washington big Seattle the Seahawks had just beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl so i brought my bronco jersey and my matching orange and blue adidas bronco shoes <laughs> and i was like I, and this was the second show and i changed in the green room and f- it was 350 people packed it was packed to the gills and everyone again is killing all of my friends are crushing and uh i'm like waiting in the wings and so now everyone's like just excited to see more comics see more comedy and I didn't need to do this with that kind of energy, but I just was like, this is the only way I'm going to feel like I'm going to have a good time is if I, if I do this. And I feel like if I, once I do this, I can able to like get out of my own head. And I think, all right, your next comic uh, is a real brave man. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Kane Holloway and I walk on stage to everyone losing their minds for the next I'm just the next comic but they're like yeah. losing their minds to see more comedy but as soon as they see that I'm wearing Broncos stuff <laughs> 300 people all start booing me <laughs> all at once and I was I felt so good I just like felt so good that I got that I got that reaction and it was different. It was like a different reaction than everyone else was getting. And I, and I was like, as the booze kept coming, I, it died down just a little bit and I told them all to shut up. And <laughs> I said, I go, you guys won the Super Bowl. Like you're just like, you're booing the loser. Like, what are you guys going to do after this? You're going to go kick a kid in a wheelchair down a flight of stairs like what? What's your like next gig? And then one of the one of the judges was um, one of the judges was like famous for being a Seahawks fan, 
Oh. And so like I made fun of him for being a Seahawks fan mm. and I was just like, I, I hope that guy gives me nothing but low marks. I could give a shit what he thinks of me. And I just, and then I was like, all right, you guys ready for my set? And I did my set and it, it like I crushed. It was one of my mm. favorite sets of all time. And so I was just like, uh, that's one of my favorite memories. Yeah. That you were like the heel in wrestling. Like, it, yeah, it's like perfect. Yeah. That's uh that's such a good, best comedy related memory story because it it's so rare that you can get one that begins with everyone booed me uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh that's amazing well kane i thank you so much for your, the time uh is there anything you want to plug we talked about your album can't see straight uh it's on where you listen to music on all the platforms uh mm-hmm. what else i mean you can find me at kane holloway on instagram and you can go to kaneholloway.com um when does this come out the 18th oh okay um i'll probably have some gigs i just don't have them have them on me right now but yeah go to kaneholloway.com when Mm. you hear this i'll probably have those up there and follow me on instagram and uh yeah check out all that stuff don't take bullshit from fuckers well actually my album can't see straight named it after my dad you got to um Listen to find out why. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great bit. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Thank you for listening to Don't Sit in the Front. Please rate and subscribe and leave me a review. You can follow the show on Twitter with the handle don't underscore sit or don't sit in the front, all one word, on Instagram. Our music is composed by Chris Helking and our cover art is provided by Memory Bloom Studio. Thank you so much for listening and just remember to always punch up and keep swinging.